All right, so check it out. Um, you know, I'm with a man here that wears many hats. He started off as a creative A&R to head of A&R and now executive producer over at uh, I Am Plus. And listen, I don't want to beat a dead horse about, um, you know, uh, talking about one artist all the time. It's just that we all come from the same family tree, which is the Ruthless Records tree. So I'm going to let my man Dante, Mr. Everything is what he's called over to I Am Plus, you know, give us some jewels and a little history about where he comes from and how we knew each other. What's going on, brother? Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, ballistics, right? The mm -hmm. club ballistics. Give me a little history about that. Um, put it into a nutshell. A year before I was in college, graduated, and literally months later, I met a few people that changed my life forever. That right. consisted of David Faustino, uh, Brian Austin Green, um, and then a whole collective of friends that we had. And uh, I remember the first time I met Faustino, we went to a club and we just hit it off that, that night. And, and I saw that he was, he loved hip hop. Right. So at the time I didn't know that he was affiliated with Easy. I didn't know this. Right. So um, right. as time went on, you know, going to the set and going to 920 set. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David Faustino was a, uh, we played Bud Bundy on Mary with Children and Brian Austin Green was from Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. That's right. And so um, I remember when uh, Faustino uh, had his little, uh, what was their group name? I'm trying to remember what it was called. Was it the Outlaw Posse? Or was it the Hoop? The, the Outlaw Posse. Or it was the Outlaw Posse. But you know, Scotty Kahn was in the Hoodlums. Remember the Hoodlums? Yeah. The Hooligans. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So, um, and I think Easy wanted to do something. Because I think also Faustina was affiliated with Greg Mack as well, with KD. Right, with KD. So, um, so I'm seeing all this. I'm like, okay. So he's in hip hop. Um, but then he, he said, you know, I want to do a club called Ballistics that we created with him, Nick Adler, Dan Eisenstein, and Robert Gavin. Right. So, uh, when that came about, it was something I had never experienced in my life. Right, right. And just three years before that, I would say, um, I was going, I was 18, I was going to a club called Hollywood Live. I remember. Where I used to see everybody, from Hammer to Kid Play to Bobby Brown. Yes. Oh, yeah. Saw, oh, yeah. And Guy, all of that. Yeah. And it's funny because to jump ahead for a second, uh, Will I Am is doing Jimmy Kimmel, and I'm standing in this room because Jimmy Kimmel has his on set inside the uh, the building, and he has his stage outside. So we're inside just chilling before we went outside for work perform. Uh -huh. I'm standing in this room, and Jimmy Kimmel happened to walk down the hallway. He goes, "It's crazy when it's quiet around." I'm like, "Yeah," I said, "But I'm tripping." He goes, "Why?" I said, "Because at 18, I was sitting in this room dancing." to Bobby Brown in 1980, I think it was 89 at the time. Yeah, yeah. He was, it was here, I was like, yes. It was called Hollywood Live, it was in this building. Right, And he right. tripped, and Jimmy Kimmel tripped out. He was like, That's wow. it's, it's on Hollywood Boulevard, right? Yes, yeah. Right next yeah. to El Capitan, yes. Yeah, I were, listen, and let me tell you something. Before it was called Hollywood Live, Ice-T had that club. Yes. And it was called Water the Bush. Wow. Do you remember, do you remember yeah, that? I remember Water the Bush. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you remember that, right? <laughs> that's right? So crazy. So yeah, that's where it all started. Right. And um and so then um so when ballistics started, it was Thursday nights, and everybody who's anybody would come to this, like celebs, you name it, they were there. And some of some huge celebrities now. Uh-huh was going there at 18 years old. So right from like the, you name the Scotty Cons, the the um like it, it, it's just mind-boggling who used to go there, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and so I remember Robin Thick, uh he was 14 at the time, wearing like house slippers to the club, and I'm like, what are you doing, young? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we would do this every Thursday. So it started at the Whiskey, and then it went to A36 Highland in 1992. 
So then we were there, and then all of a sudden, we wanted to step the game up because we had such a successful first year. Mm-hmm. So I had said to Faustino, I was like, yo, I'm like, what do you think about having a rap contest? He was like, man, he was like... Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, so you guys partnered up as like promoters of, of that club? Like, yeah. I, that, so, like that was you guys' club? Yeah, it was our You thing. started that club. So Faustino, Eisenstein, Adler, and Gavin. They were the the owners. Like right. They were they were the money men. Yeah. Of, yeah. We were promoters. Right. Street team. All yeah, that all stuff. That. Right. Right. And um, so we would always have suggestions of things. Right. So rap contest was one of them. So then we all decided, yeah, let's let's do it. Right. So there was this one dude named Jinx. He was not not surgeon. Not okay. Surgeon. Shout out to Sir Jinx. Yes. So um, he won the first three weeks, and then the fourth week, skinny little kid came in with. Dreads just starting to grow. Uh-huh. His name was Minister Wilwin X. Oh wait, hell no. He had the word. He had the name Minister. I didn't see. As long as I've been knowing you, Will, I did not know you had Minister Will One X. I just knew this Will One X. That's amazing, Minister Wilwin X. Oh, he was serious about it. Huh? <laughs> he was serious about it. Huh? Okay. So then, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then he got into the rap contest, and then it was over because he did not lose a battle for the next year and a half. And I remember Twista did a show and he actually joined in on the rap contest and Will battled him. And Will killed him so bad that he took his style and flipped it on him. And the whole crowd lost their mind. And it was like, okay, who is this dude? Who is this kid? Uh-huh. So here's another crazy um, thing. So the first year of Ballistics, Couple people would come through and perform. NWA was one of them. Uh huh. And I remember when NWA performed. That was actually one of their last shows. Yeah, this was on this. This was on the way out, especially the years. Yes. Yeah. This was on the yeah. Way, yeah. But Easy took an interest, you know, obviously in Faustino. But then um, I remember we moved from eight three six back to the whiskey. So then the battles were starting to get even. Miller. I remember Far Side performed. I remember like all these people were performing, and that's some iconic shit that yeah. is at the Whiskey, yes. which is like Sunset Boulevard, iconic clubs, yes. like all the great rock stars. Yes. Yeah, that's so the Motley Crue, the Guns and Roses, all of them, started the Doors, yeah, yeah, they all started. Yeah, there. so yeah. so for us to have this with hip hop, right, it actually opened a lot of doors. Sure. So then I remember um, Easy Saw Will winning all these battles. Came one night, he kept hearing about it. He's like, Yo, I need to, I gotta, I gotta step to this kid. So then he stepped to him and was like, Listen, I wanna sign you as a solo artist. And Will was like, Well, no, I got my crew with me. So then he goes, You gotta, you gotta sign him too. So then that was Mookie, Mook, and, and Apple. Yeah. Will, uh, Will 1X and the At Band Clan. Yes. Yeah. So Will brought him in, and there was Motivate as well as uh-huh. the producer, and yeah. Epic. Yeah. Epic too. Um, so we had a showcase for Ballistics out that we had just done and Will came to me and was like, yo, I want you to sing in, in our crew. That's right. You was a singer. Yeah. You started off as a singer. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, you know what? Let me tell you something. I forgot about that. Because <laughs> you've been doing all this other stuff. You know, like I said, Mr. Everything over yeah. at IM Plus, and you've been with Will for years. I forgot that, like, you start, you was a, ladies, he was an R&B singer. Look at him. Smooth. Look at him. <laughs> so, I, I got an even crazier story. So, before that even happened, I got jewels. So, go ahead, drop it. So, do you remember Echo Sound? Of course. Listen, everybody recorded Echo Sound. Exactly. Okay, so... 1991, we were starting the Ballistics album into 92. Um, at that time, it was hard for me as an artist because I was just starting my demos. So I remember a day in particular. It was overcast, just like this one, and I could not sing a line. For whatever reason, I just, I was terrified. Uh-huh. So I took a break, I went in the lobby, my girlfriend at the time, um, I showed up and then she just was driving me nuts. Uh-huh. So we got into an argument in the lobby. So I was in Studio A, there was Studio B. Door opens, dude walks out and was like, 
yo, what the hell is going on out here? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Um, I didn't mean to be so loud. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to focus and I can't, you know, with all this going on. And then the dude just says, yo, um, if you would keep it down, you know, everything would be cool. And she got mad and was just like, I don't give a damn. And da, 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 da. Yeah. He said, okay, I tried to be nice. But if I was you, I'd get the hell out of here right now right. and let your man focus. Right. So she got pissed and walked off. That person was Tupac. Wow. So wow. then he says to me, wow. yo, Chico, the great. So he comes down, sits next to me, he's like, yo, so what's uh what's the problem? I said, I can't project like I want to. I can't sing these these lines. I, I don't know what's going on. He goes, come on in here. So he takes me in his room and then he shows me how it's done. So he gets on the mic, he on in the booth and he just busts him. Right. And then um, and this is Tupac. Uh probably right when juice. Like, so it's around that time. Right, right, right. So this is right before Adban around juice. Around juice. The movie juice. Yes. Yeah. So he had the whole Yeah. And then he had he had his little you know, yeah. the African, you know, his yeah, 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 yeah. His, his African passion. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he says to me, listen, what I need you to understand is, and this is so ironic. Uh-huh. He goes, when you step into this booth, you got to leave the ego at the door. Wow. And we all know Pac, he's the most egotistical, absolutely, fucking in the world. So, but he was like, you need to have the ego in the booth and on that stage. He goes, now you sing, right? I said, yeah. He goes, why don't you change it up? He said, why don't you be aggressive with your singing? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, what kind of singing do you do? I said, well, R&B, obviously. I said, but I scat. I'm kind of in a sing rap style. Uh He goes, then you need to be like an MC when you sing. Right. Aggressive. Right. He goes, go in there now, try it out. I go in there, and for some reason I had this confidence, and uh-huh. I just started going in. Yeah. And Pac filled you with that confidence. Yeah. Yeah, wow. dude. So. Yeah. And and the crazy thing is, this is the only time I ever saw Pac. Wow. That was the only time. Out of all like all that time from uh, '91 to like '96 when he died, never saw him again. So you saw him. Actually, Roscoe? I'm sorry, I did see him. I would see him at Roscoe. On Gallery to Roscoe. I'll be seeing him at Roscoe's on Gallery. But um, but I didn't say anything because it was just like he was just way big then. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So um but I did my job and he he's like, that's all you needed was confidence. Right. So um from that point, because him saying that, uh-huh, I took that with me. Uh-huh. I still have it to this day when People step in the studio, I'm like, leave the ego at the door. And that's because of him. Right. So there's been certain people in my life that influenced me. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Right. Stevie Wonder was another one. When I was 11. Show me that short. When I was 11, I was in a choir. And I was one of the leads in the choir um, for a guy. And I just hated singing, bro. Uh Uh-huh. See, so it goes way back even before trying to sing in the booth. Right. I didn't want to sing. I just didn't want to do it. Right. And my mom was just like, yo. So we had a big show. Um, and it was with Stevie Wonder. And my mom was like, this dude will not sing. We always have to bribe him, get him McDonald's, whatever it is, just to get uh-huh. him to sing. So he, Stevie was like, okay, well, this is what you need to do. You tell the conductor when it comes to a solo, Everybody shut up. Turn off the music. Everything. We gonna find out what he's made of tonight. Uh huh. And I'll never forget. I'm sitting there and I hated, dreaded it. Every time it would come up, I would just try to play it off. But something happened inside of me that night that I was forced to have to sing, and I just uh-huh. started blowing. And I remember the crowd was erupting, and it was just like, wow. And that was the first time I felt like, wow, okay, I can, I can do this. I can do this. So, right. um, 
And then I met him afterwards. He had a dashiki and the braids and uh-huh. all that. Uh-huh. And I'll never get that. And I'm like, uh, this is during the happy birthday time. <laughs> <laughs> it was during them times. Huh? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then so then he says, you need to watch this one because he, he got something. So nurture it. And from that point, my mom never let up. Right. So I have to give a shout out to my mom, self-esteem Dean. Um, if it wasn't for her and my sis and the fam pushing me, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Where you at now. So her instilling that in me. And I remember there was a time in college where I was rapping. She sat me down. She was like, I love the rapping, but you was born to sing. So I need you to get back in there. And at that time, I had stopped singing completely and I lost it. And she was like, well, you better do something. So I went in there and I remember I, my voice was cracking. I couldn't project. And then I remember I discovered Philip Bailey, Prince, and Elder Barge. Oh, with the falsetto high. Uh, falsetto. Yeah. I didn't even know I could do that. So I just I just chose them just to sing uh-huh. certain songs. I did Reasons. I did Do Me Baby. And I did I Like It by the Barge. You was up there. Yes. Uh, and when I and when it was it took I like it for me to hit this certain note that Elder Barge uh-huh. did. And I couldn't believe I, I did it. And uh-huh. she, I was like, come in here. And uh she heard it. She said, now do it again. And I did it again because my vocals was opening up. Right. She said, now do it again. And I did it again. And I was like, wow, like I couldn't believe it. So all it took was confidence. Right. So that would help me later on in my career. Right. It's all about confidence. So now let's jump to Atman. Right. Ah, the Atman years. So, recording the Atman album at Paramount Studios uh-huh. on Santa Monica, um, it was an experience because, like, just a couple years before that, I would be at Echo Sound. Wait, what year was that at Paramount Studios? Like, 92. 92, like okay. 92, in the 93, 94. Uh, now, this was before Easy caught interest in these yeah. things. Okay. Yeah, so um, so we would go every day pretty much. So this was our weeks. We would go to Paramount and record. We would hang out, and then we would go to Ruthless in the Valley. To the office. To the office. Warner Center. Yep. Uh-huh. So um, and I just remember me and Will go in Easy's office and watch Rap City <laughs> and just chill. Right. And like every time we go to Ruthless. And then I remember um Y'all would go there just to watch Rap City. Watch <laughs> Rap City and uh and just hang out. And uh and then I remember Keisha, which is JJ. JJ's sister. Shout out to Keisha Anderson. Yeah, Keisha. Um she was she was doing her job at Ruthless. She was Easy's assistant, yeah, right? But she, but she was more to like right. She was always helping, right. you know? And uh, yeah. I love those years because it helped me. Because I, because this is my thing. I, I never did drugs. I never was a drinker. Right. I was never caught up. I was always the kid that sat in the corner and observed everything. So you never really smoked a weed or none of that? Not right? at those times. Okay. And I think that's why me and Will connected as well. Because well, Will didn't need it. No, I remember that. So, um, being around Faustino and all of them, I saw everything. Mm-hmm. Being around some of our crew in Advent, I saw everything. everything. So it was like, um, it was it was a trip. So being around the ruthless years, I observed everything. Even when the whole when Suge and Easy. Like those were some difficult times too, because and this is the one thing I tell people, I give Easy credit. He protected all of us from all of that craziness. Like mm-hmm. he he took it in his own hands and like, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm gonna deal with this, I'm gonna deal with this on my own. On my own, right? I'm not gonna get my artists yeah. caught up in none of this. Well, he was a, he was an OG. Like you know, right. he, that's listen, listen. You carry your own water, right? Right. Okay. Right. Cause I mean, remember we would go to go to Ruthless in them times when it was anything could pop off. Oh, I know, dude. It was people like you know, it, it was members of uh, JDL, Jewish Defense League, sitting in Jerry's office, strapped, 
I remember, let me tell you the story. And I'm not going to say his name. But I went into Jerry's office and much like a chair like this, I went and sat down. Jerry's desk was right there. I feel something. It was a gun right there that I sat on that could have went off. Right. That's how that's how ratchet it was in office during the show easy days. Ooh. Yeah, bro. So now think about that for a second. So we in those days. Right. And we going to Paramount and we're recording and you got that in the back of your mind. Right. So certain times easy would come through just to check on us. And easy felt like, you know, Adbab was like his tribe. Right, his tribe called Quest. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, we kind of, you know, Will was influenced by Q-Tip and mm-hmm. all him. So, it was like that. But we were a different kind of because he could really spit. So right. was at right. and move. So, right. um, so we recorded these records, and then I remember the moment. There was two moments um, in '93. I remember um, I had an audition um, at the Nico Hotel um, for this new artist to dance with. And I show up and I audition. I remember they fired everybody that was auditioning because they didn't want no ballet dancers or no ballroom dancers. They wanted some like, hip hop dancers. Hip hop dancers, right. So then they told me to stay because they liked what I was, how I danced. And then they called in some new reinforcements and shout out to D Rec from uh, uh, Wild Out. He was shout my, out to D Rec. <laughs> he, he was my dance partner. And uh-huh. then we had girls with us as well. And then that 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 singer was Aaliyah. You gotta be kidding me. Really? Aaliyah. Because I remember R. Kelly and Aaliyah, they were dressed like Magic Mountain style. They were just exactly like. Right. Yeah. And they came downstairs and they checked us out and they liked us. And uh-huh. was like, yo, this is what it is. So I did a few shows with Aaliyah. And then I remember her calling me one day and saying, yo, I wanna take you permanently out with me. And your first tour is the Bump and Grind tour. And I told her straight up and her mom, I was like, I can't do it. She's like, why? I'm like, I'm already with somebody. I'm affiliated with this group called Advan Clan and Easy. Right. So I, I can't just leave. Right. So she's like, well, if you change your mind, you know this is always home. I was like, I appreciate that. So it's crazy. Like, wow. Now it's 93. So now we jump back in and now we jump to 94. Like I said, I'm at Paramount one day just chilling and the Easy shows up and I'm sitting there watching a football game and he sits next to me and he's just like, hey man, you know, um, I like what you did on that album. Like, your singing is dope. Like, mm-hmm. you ever thought about doing solo? And I was like, I mean, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. He's like, you need to come to the office. If you're serious. I was like, yeah. Meanwhile, so, you already knew where the office was, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and... But it never happened. Right. I don't know why. Right. But it just never happened. Right. So I didn't trip. I just continued to do the, the album. And then now, let's jump into 95. And I remember Will telling me, Easy would always take him out for his birthday, which was March 15th. Mm-hmm. He didn't do it this time. So it was just like, okay. He didn't want really trip. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know. Y'all heard the news. You knew something was wrong. Yeah, we heard. Like, yeah. I remember Keisha telling us, yo, you need to come up here. You want your masters. You want right. to come up here now. Because it's going down. Yeah, it's going right. down. We didn't know what was going down. We right. just knew something was happening. Right. And then so me and Will went up there and he went to get his masters. And, and, and then next thing you know, we found the news, found out the news. So then we're like, what? And and I remember Will telling me that Easy called him and said, sorry, man, that I didn't take you out on your birthday. He said, we're going to figure out this Adman thing. Um, but let's do it. And right. passed a week later. Eric passed a week later, huh? A week later. Yup. So then I remember Apple start freaking out because he's like because at that time Mookie just was like I'm cool I'm out right so now it's me Will and Apple right so I remember Motivate and Will had a production company called Black Eyed Pea Productions right 
Out of the loft. Yes. The loft downtown. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So then me and we were talking, he was like, okay, you know Brian Austin Green. I know Ben, you know, we can work at Benyon's house, we can work at Brian Austin Green's studio in his house, and then we can work at Red Fool's crib. Right. Red Fool from uh, LMFAL. LMFAL, right. Yes, because him right. and Will went to the Palisades together. Right. So we figured out our strategy. Right. And that's what Which ended up happening at Ben's crib. Right. right. The majority exactly. of that record was, was and shout ben, out to Big Guy. Yeah. We're going to get him on here too. <laughs> so that's when Black Eyed Peas was created. And that's when the name came out. And it was just like, wow. Now let me ask you this. So you briefly, well, you auditioned for, I guess, Aaliyah, right? You got that, but you turned that down. And that was on the dancing tip, correct? So let me ask you this, as a singer, did you sing for anybody back then, like on record besides Will? The only thing I did was the Ballistics album. Was the Ballistics album. That was it. And then you went into like, um, I guess, behind the camera, if you will. Like you didn't pretty much sing anymore. You kind of, well, so this is what happened. So when Black Eyed Peas was formed, we brought Taboo in because he was in another group called Pablo. Um, Mr. Shaw and, and uh, yeah. Friend, Eclipse. Yeah. We brought him in, so then it became from three to four. Right. And then at that time, I was going through personal um, situation with the fam, mm-hmm. so I left the group. So then those three went on. So when I was ready, then I started working with a, a guy named Benny Cassette, which is my homeboy mm-hmm. who's on Warner now, and shout out to Benny. And then, um, so I worked with him, and I also worked with Fat Lip. From Farsight. Yes. Yeah. So, because I hung around Fat Lip when Lab Cabin was being made. Right. And uh, me and Will would go over there, and then me and Derek just hit it off. So, he started doing, you know, demos with me. And this this was incredible stuff. Right. So, then, I remember Motivate called me one day and said, yo, they got their deal. So, they got another deal. So. Now, wait, is this the Interscope deal? Interscope deal. Okay. And so it was like, he said, you need to come down to Paramount. I'm like, Paramount, really? Again? He was like, that little, he's comfortable there. He, that, he loved that, he loved he, that studio. He loved so yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I show up. I hadn't seen Will in probably two years. Oh, damn. He was out of the picture for that long? Yeah. Huh. Okay. From like 95 to 97. Okay. Like I was, and I remember Will, and App came to one of my solo shows. Uh-huh. They came and represented. Uh-huh. It was cool. And then I show up and he just so happy. He was like, wow home. He goes, go in the booth. So I went in the booth and I sang on uh, Clap Your Hands, um, like backgrounds, whatever. And that's when we started again. So now, that's Behind the Front, and then we did Bridging the Gap. And I remember there was Behind the Front is the name of the first album. Yes. Second album is Bridging the Gap. So then I remember there was another moment. So we were pretty much done with Bridging the Gap. Mm -hmm. And then the first single was Weekends. Mm -hmm. And I remember... I said, I'll be back, Will. So we was at the Stucha, which is the studio we had just gotten. I go to this, in La Puente, I go to this hat store. And I'm sitting in the store and I'm and, and I'm listening to music in the what store. What was you doing in La Puente? Just getting, I, I lived out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got, got it. Got so, um, and it's funny because Fergie, she actually lived in Hacienda Heights, which is right next to La Puente. So I thought she's from Whittier. No, she's from Hacienda Heights. Yeah, Hacienda okay. Heights, uh-huh. which is right next door. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll bring that in later. Yeah. So then I'm in this hat store. I'm listening to music. It's bobbing, you know. I'm trying to check out my hats. And then I hear this song, and I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's Joyce and Jam. I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, I'm like, wait a minute. I said, where'd you get this? What do you mean? I said, where did you get this? I said, what else you got? And he pushed the next button, I mean the button, and they played another song. I said, let me have it. So he gave me the CD. I was like, I- I'm out. I called Will. I was like, you at the studio? He's like, yeah. I said, I'll meet you there. Uh-huh. I get in there. I said, don't get mad. I said, but I was just at a hat store, and this is what this guy was playing in his store. And I put the CD in, and it was Weekends. And it was a song called Beautiful People featuring Macy Gray that didn't get cleared by the Beatles. Did it? 
How many songs did they do with Macy Gray? Because I remember they made a video with Macy Gray. They did uh, Questline. Right, right. So, and from that point to this day, no CDs, no nothing goes out because of that day. Like when I had that CD and uh-huh. somebody, so Napster was big back then. Right. And people was burning people's CDs uh-huh. and downloading all that stuff. So he was so mad that it changed his whole perception on all of this. So, right. So to this day, it's not burn anything or give body anything. You have to right. hear it in the studio. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because it's like, you don't want your music getting out. Right. So that's when me and his dynamic got even better. Right. So then, let's jump to 90, sorry, 2001. We're in Frisco, we're doing shows, and Black Eyed Peas, I was in a group called Bro Shiggies at the time. Bro Shiggies with uh, yeah. Huck Finn. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shout out Huck Finn. <laughs> yes, Marcel, <laughs> Nayu, what up? And uh, so, 9-11 happens because we come home and then they had a show in New York. Right. 9-11 happens. So they were terrified. They didn't want to go, but they ended up doing it when people let, when, when the government let people fly. fly in. Yeah. So then now let's jump to the cloak, like in 2002. Me and Will had a talk. He goes, listen, we made it dropped. So this next record has to be it. Let me stop you right there. Check this out, everybody. There, too. Listen to this. So, Black Eyed Peas are two records in. They're about to get dropped from Interscope. In comes Mr. Everything (laughs) and suggested Fergalicious, Fergie. This man right here is the reason why Fergie is in the Black Eyed Peas. I don't get touched. Okay, so... (laughs) So, he... We had the conversation. This could be it. So we got to do everything possible to make this pop. But we're going to have to do nine to fives straight up. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So then we brought our players in. We started making this stuff. And then I remember I was like, yo, Will, you have a certain type of profile, but you got to have a bigger profile. I said, so I suggest you start hanging out with bigger people. Said, what do you mean? I was like, Puff, Jay. All them. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to go to these clubs and start hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. So your profile get bigger. And see, this is, this is before the days of, uh, of uh, social media. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So, like, actually, Friendster and MySpace was right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Literally right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So um, so we were hanging out with Puff, and, and Puff was like, yeah, I know who you are. So he's like, yo, do me a favor. Come down to this video shoot I got tomorrow, um, and, we'll t- and uh, you'll play me your stuff. So I remember we go down to the You Don't Have to Call Usher video shoot. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in Puffy's Bentley and he's playing the Elephant instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at us and he was like, yo, this is crazy. He goes, okay, bring this back to me when there's vocals and, and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, what, like y'all was going to get a deal with Puffy? No, but he just, he just had something about him uh-huh. that and I, I'll tell you, Puffy has been one of my influences because of, you know, people talk about his rap and I don't care about all that. It's what he's done in his career. Right. With production, with right. marketing, with finding the talent. Like, I've been, and, and that helped me in my career later on. Right. So I'm looking at Puff and I'm like, damn, okay, I see you. I see you. And next thing you know, they put me back in the group. So now it's us four again. Mm-hmm. And I did all the vocals for Elephone, everything. Mm-hmm. And so then presented to the label. And then they was like, well, we used to girls because they had a sterile, Kim Hill, mm-hmm. Macy. We want to stick with the girl thing. So we'll tell you that I'm like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I'm keeping all your vocals. Don't mm-hmm. trip. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. So then we're looking for a girl now. And then I remember me and him went to go see Nicole Scherzing. This is before uh, Pussycat Dolls, right? Yes. Right. She's in Eden's crush at the time. Mm-hmm. And we went to the crib and, and her dude, Nick Hexon from 311, is like, mm-hmm. she can't because she signed already. Right. So then we leave and we're like, man, all right. He goes, if you find anybody, 
Let me know. Mm-hmm. All right. I go to a club one night. Girl jumps on my back. And I'm like, who the hell is this? I turn and it was, was Stacy Ferguson. Mm-hmm. She was in a group called Wild Orchid. Right. And I had known Stacy since she was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where the hell you been? She goes, yo, just let me know I'm solo now. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, let's do this. So mm-hmm. I exchanged numbers. She came over to the studio, played her stuff. I loved it. And then that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Then Will asked me like a couple weeks later, he's like, yo, so did you come across anybody? Right. I said, actually, I did. I said, I said, I think I have the person for you. He's like, who? I said, Stacy Ferguson. He's like, oh, hell no. He was like, what? I was like, he's like, she's already in a group. Uh-huh. I was like, no. I said, she's solo. Right. He was like, okay. I was like, trust me. This is the first time I ever said trust me on anything. Right. I said, trust me, bro. She got gospel skills. She fits right in the pocket. Right. And she's a Black Eyed Peas fan. So right. I'm like, she fits. She got soul. Yes. So I said, let me handle it. I call her up. I said, I need you to meet her. She's like, what's up? I said, I know you're doing your solo thing, but I think I have an opportunity of a lifetime. She's like, what is it? What is it? I said, there's been different artists that have had foundations. Ice Cube was one. Beyonce was another. Justin Timberlake was another. And Michael Jackson was another. And they went on to become who they became. Right. So my suggestion is, cool with this, I think you should be a part of Black Eyed Peas. And she was just like, really? Would they, would they, would they go for that? And I was just like, you just gotta try it. I said, so what we should do is go down to the studio and, and so you can meet, meet with them and then just sing on a few songs and see where it goes. But I, I think what I see is you being a part of them because they've already had that dynamic before. I think you're the missing piece. Right. So I said, and as far as the soul thing, this is your foundation, like Justin, like Beyonce, like Mike, like Q. You could always go back. Right. So then she picked me up in her Mustang and she got in the Glamour's video. Uh-huh. We went over to Glenwood in Burbank. Uh-huh. I remember when she walked in and Will saw her, he was like, now the thing is, Will had met her before in Minneapolis because Wild Orchid and Black Eyed Peas did the show. And she was telling him then, yo, da 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 He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, hip-hop talk. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Never happened. And then I brought it up. He didn't know I knew her. Right. And, and when he said, when I said her name, that's why he was like, nah, I'm cool. Right. I said, no. So, she's in there. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, trust me. Okay, so then. We're working on Where's the Love. And I tell you, Yomo, we tried everybody to sing this song. Uh-huh. Everybody. And it just didn't work. So I remember Taboo, we had just met Justin Timberlake. And him and Tab became cool with each other. Now wait, this is, Timberlake was in, in sync at the time, right? No, he was solo. Oh, this is actually, this is after the scene. Okay, yeah. okay. This is a funny moment too. So, mm-hmm. so I'm I knowing that Tab is, is cool with him. Mm-hmm. So then it hit me. I'm like, oh, this dude, perfect to join the Black Eyed Peas. No, no. I was like, Timberlake needs to be singing on this song. Oh, okay. So I go to Will and I said, Hey, what you think about Justin singing on Where's Love Hook? Oh hell no! That was his only. Oh uh-huh. hell no! Uh-huh. I said, Will. He goes, he's an insinky. I said, I don't know if you know this, but he's solo. And he's working with Pharrell and Timbo. Uh-huh. Timbaland for all y'all there. Yeah. And I heard his album is crazy. So I said, you gotta trust me on this one too. I said, I can feel it in my gut. I said, I think this is the guy. Uh-huh. I said, we've tried everybody. I said, you know what? It's cool, whatever. So I had tab, I was like, yo, just keep. Being cool with him, whatever. Da, da, da. Uh-huh. Then Will came back to me. He goes, "Yo, let's let's do it." So then I hit Tab. I said, "Yo, call Will." And then then Will and Tab talked it out, and then he brought Justin. Right. 
So then I remember Justin shows up to the studio and Will's sitting there and he goes, all right, let me hear what this sounds like, this hook. Cause Tab called Will was like, yo, he got this hook. Uh-huh. So he comes in, he sings it. Will was like, and I was like, <laughs> Will did not want to see that face, son. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, son. Uh-huh. I said, I told you, you can trust me. Uh-huh. I, I see it. I see things you don't see. Right. So, so from that point, here's another interesting part. So they're on tour with Justin and Christina um, for that tour. They're opening up for them. Open it up. Mm-hmm. And then they would do shows at night at House of Blues all over America. Where they headline. Yes. Right. So we do staples and I see Justin in the hallway and I'm like, I said, I said, yo, uh, Just. Don't you think it's time for people to know that it's you singing on Where's Love? He said, what do you mean? I'm like, because of your situation, they didn't allow us for you to be in the video first off and put your name on the thing. Right. So nobody knows that's you. I didn't know that was him. So you said, wait, wait. The vocals on Where's Love is actually Justin Timberlake? Yes. Yes. Wow. So, (laughs) so I said, Actually, we're having a release party tonight for Elephant. We need to show up. And people need to see who it is singing that song. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, just meet me at Vinyl in, in the backstage area. I get to Vinyl. Security taps me. He goes, yo, JT's at the door. I'm like, JT, Timberlake. I was like, I said, he showed up. I was like, what? I opened the back door, and there he is, and I'm like, you came. He was like, you convinced me. I was like, okay. Sorry, so what do I need to do? I, I said, okay, this is what you're gonna do. Let, he goes, he goes, let me be honest with you. He goes, I'm kind of terrified. I said, why? He goes, because I do choreography. They are freestyle. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, let them do them. I said, so what I need you to do is stand in the back of the stage. So where you're hidden. So let them do their verses, whatever, da, da, da. So when that hook comes up, I said, I need you to step outside of the backstage into the light and start singing that hook. I said, watch what happens. So now here's the song. <laughs> he's in the back of the stage and he's looking over at me like, can't believe you make me do this. And he just keeps looking at me. I'm like, you don't. <laughs> So then the song kicks in and then they're hype, they're all over the place. Right. He's just like, oh boy. And then here comes the hook. He just walks out like it was a movie. Uh-huh. He walks out from the back and he starts singing a hook. Nobody knew. And people immediately started freaking when, out. I can imagine, because listen, I'm freaking out here in this fucking story because I didn't know. That, did you know he sang the background? <laughs> I didn't know. Wow. He starts singing that hook and it was over because people left that night and next day on the radio, it spread like wildfire and where's love went? Boom. Boom. So it was because that live performance that that record took off. Interesting. And can't nobody tell me nothing different because the record had been out for maybe a month or so, maybe two months. And wow. It didn't really do and it wasn't working. It, no, it was working. But it wasn't as big as it should have been. Right. And when people found out that was him, as right. soon as that happened, right. then when you saw the video, it says featuring Justin Timberlake. Or on they started repressing the album. And it starts saying featuring Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Wow. Because of a suggestion, I said, Mr. Everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so from the elephant to monkey business to songs about girls, which Will's album, wow. The Duchess, which was Ferg's album. Right. We was making some incredible stuff. And at the time, I was still an artist. So they had me come out on stage with them for shows to the point where I was actually opening up for them. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. So I would open up and I would come in their show and do, right. let's get it started. And then I would also do uh, House of Pains, jump around, like they had that in their part of their show, and I'll come out and do that. So I remember my first gig was uh 
Australia, Sydney, in front of 20,000. Uh-huh. And it was me, I forgot this DJ group, John Legend, and Black Eyed So I remember I did a show tape with my friend DJ Replay, part of uh, John Baptiste and Mike, you know, producers extraordinaires. Shout out. Um, and he made a show tape. He also he made a CD and he made a, a um, he put on an iPod. Get to the stadium. I'm doing uh, uh, rehearsals. And everything went lovely. I get show night. Somebody broke the CD. This is the thing that was on the iPod, right? So, so but we didn't know how that was going to play out. Right? So I said, listen, see what happens if you take this iPod and put and put it in, plug it into the board. See what happens. So I'm probably the first person in history to use an iPod in the stadium. In the stadium. Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nobody probably thought to what? do that. What haven't you done? <laughs> <laughs> My man. My man. And I tell you, I remember like it was yesterday. I'm standing backstage and I remember my intro was Jay-Z um, 12 a.m. on my way to the club. But I had the intro. Right. And they had the lights flashing, the crowd is screaming. I'm standing, I'm standing backstage, <laughs> just waiting. And then it kicks in. And then my first song comes in. And I milked it because I let that, I let it roll to my first verse. So the beat is popping. And I'm just making them wait. As soon as my artist years, yeah, for sure. But in the midst of it, it was like I was the artist, and then mm-hmm. I transitioned into the executive. Yeah. So go ahead, get to your executive years. Okay, so, so like like I said, blew up the spot in Australia with my solo thing, and then it came a time where I was like, okay, I need to transition into a different role because I'm getting older and. I, you know, and I had a knack for finding talent. Right. So, and Ferg was the first time where I was like, wow, okay. Right. So, and actually, if you want to say it, I kind of discovered Will too, like in a way, right. because right. it suggested a rap contest and then he happened to end up being in it. Right. So, we do the end and it was most, one of the most iconic records ever. 26 weeks number one with two singles. Now, I don't know if that'll ever be Topped. Right. But uh, I got a feeling. And so my executive skills are starting to take over. Right. To the point where at that album I was still AR, ahead of AR. So when Will did the Willpower album, I remember the day we was in London and he's like, come sit next to me. So he showed me a sheet of paper and he's like, we're going over the list of everything. He goes, okay. And he just writes this in. Right. And at the top of the list, it said, executive producers, Will I Am and Dante Santiago. Right. So I was like, whoa. Right. I was like, whoa, okay. Okay. So it's going to that level now. Right. So in the midst of doing that album, I had created something um, because we had Black Eyed Peas, we had LMFAO. And that's another story real quick. Let me jump to this Right. So Will asked me, he said, yo, I don't have time, but can you go check on LMFAO? Because they were starting on their second record. Mm -hmm. So I go over there and I said, "Um, hey, fool, I'm going to be over here all the time to check on, you know, check on you guys. He's like, all right. So every time I went in there, he would play me all these songs. Mm -hmm. And I would tell him which ones I liked. Right. So it came down to the last few months. So into the fall of uh, 2000. I want to say nine, uh-huh. maybe 10. Um, I'm not sure what year it was, but it might have been 10. Right. I said, yo, I'm really feeling this one, this one, this one. Can't get it on iTunes till two weeks later. Right. I said, that's fine. Just do this. Go to plan. Right. I said, matter of fact, I said, when are you shooting a video? He goes, uh, maybe a couple weeks after. I said, do you have any guy that can shoot? Viral video, or whatever. He's like, yeah, we actually do. Right. I said, have your guy shoot that night. Guy shoots the, the sh- she was with me. My wife was with me. Right. Captain, shout out, Captain. Um, 
and we were sitting there. We were sitting there in the palms, and they did Party Rock Anthem. And just to see the crowd's reaction to that song that they had never heard right. was amazing. So I'm like, yo. And the next thing you know, this viral video comes out. Right. Out of here. LMFAO. Out of here. And they had shots. They had Miami Bitch. Right. But this well, was the party one. anthem is what? This, this, this is one. So oh, the next few months, who would call me from tour and be like, okay, what's the next step? I'm like, mm-hmm. just gotta keep doing this, this, this. Right. He called me one time. He goes, yo, we're number one all over the world, but we're not number one in America. So what do we do? I said, you gotta hit up Jimmy. Jimmy Ivan. Jimmy Ivan. Gotta hit up Jimmy and explain to him, you know, what's going on. So did that. We're in London. We're doing a show, uh, LMFAO, Black Eyed Peas. Who goes out on stage? He goes, I just want to say, this has been a great show. Uh, get ready for the Black Eyed Peas. He's like, but I just want to say one thing. It's been an amazing ride of Party Rock Anthem and being number one all over the world. We just became number one in America. And that means everything. So everybody, let's start shuffling. And everybody crowd shuffling. It was crazy. Right, right. And then I remember we came backstage and um, one of the execs at uh, Interscope standing backstage and then he's like, yo, you guys are on fire. And who goes, that was him. He's like, what do you mean that was him? He goes, because of him and what he told me to do with Party Rock Anthem, this is why we're in this position. So he gave you your props in front of Jimmy. No, not Jimmy. I think it was Martin Kirzenbaum. So, yeah. So he was like, yeah. Whoa. So that, and the crazy thing is, we're in New York. We're um, on the tour bus because Will and them were about to do David Letterman, I think. And then I remember management was like, yo, that, that part of our is out of here. And then Will was like, yo, so-and-so did that. I said, what? I said, so-and-so did nothing. I did that. Right. What? I said. He goes, let me call Fu. Calls up Fu. He said, hey, Fu, who pushed who really pushed Pyro? He go, Dante did that. And I just <laughs> <laughs> My man. Looked at him man. again, gave him the uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, son. Uh-huh. So it's just, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. So now, let's jump back. So because I did those things throughout their careers, right? Another one was John Legend. He and Will wrote a song for Black Eyed Peas. For monkey business. Right. And he, Will was like, yo, we gotta have Ferg singing. So Ferg's in there singing it, and I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, as dope as she is, she just ain't hitting it right. Yeah. So if I was you, I'd give this to John. Right. Are you sure? I was like, yes, I'm sure. I, I would give that to him. So John comes to London. He goes, hey, well, whatever happened to that song that, uh, that is, are you gonna use it? Like for peace? Like is it gonna be a single? Da, 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 da. He was like, actually, Dante told me to get that to you. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, he just felt, felt that it didn't fit us. Right. It fits you better. Right. So he goes, and I suggest that you get on the piano and play and just sing it instead of having a beat behind it. Hold on. Are you getting ready to tell me that this is Ordinary People by John Legend? Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Yep. Look at the people that I know, people. <laughs> so, back, okay, so now back to what I was saying. So, because of these things, and there's many more, uh-huh. but these are like the big ones. Yeah. I created something in my own right, because like I said, you had Black Eyed Peas and you had LMFEO. So, I'm sitting in my hotel room in Birmingham, England, and then it hit me. I said, we need to make something new and improve. And that was Getro. What's Getro? Getro is a a super click. You know how NWA had the world's most dangerous group? Yeah. Well, this is the world's most dangerous super click. So if everybody in the group is like a bona fide, like mega special, it's like a super group. Yeah. Well, who's in the group? You have Alex Buchanan. He's a cross between Mike, Prince, and a little twist of Stevie. Okay. You have Danny D. She's like a ball of a firecracker, as my wife likes to say. But she got dance skills like, like 
I can't explain it, right? And she's so infectious. Then you have Surreal. Surreal is an MC that she's the next coming of big. Is that right? Now this is your group that you that you were cultivating and developing, and you know everybody look out and uh, for Getro, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. So um, putting this together. It reminded me of the old days of Black Eyed Peas and how we came about and then see the LMFAO become what they became. Right. So I'm like, I've already been here, so let me make something even doper. Right. Where you put a collective together. Right. Of talent and then just unleash them on the world. Right. So right now we're in the process of uh, finishing our first album. Okay. And then after that's done, then all those individuals will put out their own record. Oh, like a whoop. Yes. See? Like a woo. Like a woo. Is that what you can tell your wife? Yeah. See the woo go way back. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, I'm very proud of it because I've created something in my own right outside of Black Eyed Peas and LMFL because food, that was his baby. Black Eyed Peas was Will's baby. Right. This is mine. Right. And so, but I feel like with mine, the most important thing is the team concept. And right. everybody's bought into that. All the artists. Well, teamwork make a dream work. Exactly. Right. So letting people out there know when you're doing this music thing, and he can attest, not one person does this by themselves. It's a collective. Certain people don't get that shine. For whatever reason, people hate people or whatever. But it will never change the contributions that myself and my man Yomo have made to hip hop and music in general. You're kidding me? This dude named NWA and he named his records? Come on, son. That's iconic in itself. Thank you, sir. So I appreciate that. No, I, I give love and shine to where it's due, man. Straight up. That's what's up. So, with this situation, I think Getro is coming at a perfect time because right now, music, I'm not really too pleased at what I'm seeing, and no disrespect to the new generation because they have their ways, just like we had our ways. Right. He was coming yeah. up. You don't want to come off sounding like a bitter old ain't old no, head. Ain't no bitter old head. Yeah. I know dope music when I hear yeah. it. Right. And I'm going to give Drake and Kendrick and, and J. Cole. Cole. They shot out. Uh, but, uh, but outside of that, well, you know what? Hold on. Big Sean. Big Sean. I like Ricky Rose. And I like, I think, I think Two Chains is dope. Two Chains is dope too. Two Chains. You're right. And Eric Ross. But outside of that, go ahead with your story. What was I saying? <laughs> I'm about oh, yeah. So, Getro. So, it's just like, I'm putting a collective together of talent that is going to prove once and for all it's about the talent the songs it ain't about no followers it ain't about no views that's great and all but from our day you had to put in the work you had to yeah yeah get put on you had to have some skills and these and, and put in the work to me this is called the lazy age right not the daisy age like daylight yeah the lazy age like straight up like these people out here think they could just be producers and songwriters and singers and yeah. rappers nah this ain't built for everybody. There's a hundred thousand artists all over the world that think they can do this. And I'll I'll say what Michael Jackson told me. He said, I asked him, I said, Mike, what do you think, where do you think music is going? And this is right before he passed. He goes, You're not gonna like where it's going. He goes, Not everybody's a superstar anymore. Right. He goes, in the 80s, we battled, me and Prince, Madonna, Lionel. Stevie, we all had dope, iconic albums. And then right. you had hip-hop come in, right. straight out of Compton and right. Public Enemy and all these people, right. Guns and Roses and Metallica. Right. Like, we all battled. Right. He goes, now, it, you're not going to like what's about to come. He goes, we're good right now. He said, the peas are having a great run, uh -huh. but what's coming in the next 10 years? Mm -hmm. And he proved it. Right. I'm cool. Right. I'm so cool on what I'm hearing. But... I do have to give a shout out to the people that do care about the, the, um, the art form 
and keep it hip hop, keep it real, like popular, like a Beyonce, a Rihanna, like like I said, a Drake, um, even an Adele, a, a Sam Smith, or you name it. Like there's certain artists that are really, really good, right? And they they get their credit because they deserve it, right? But then you have the mumble mouth, right? Right. So listen, y'all. Don't for, all y'all, for all y'all inspiring artists, listen to an executive. Listen to what he just said. It's not about the followers, although that helps. It's about putting in the work, having skills, and being creative. And with that being said, as we like to say here, quality control, if it ain't qualified, it ain't this. Peace. <laughs> Yo, 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 yo,